Well, hello, Bible Love listeners. So glad you're here with us today. It is uh, Rogation Days. We started that yesterday on Sunday, and um, that lasts for a little while. So I thought we would pray a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer for joy and God's creation. So the Lord be with you. And also with you. Oh, Heavenly Father, who has filled the world with beauty, open our eyes to behold thy gracious hand in all thy works, that rejoicing in thy whole creation, may, we may learn to serve thee with gladness. For the sake of him through whom all things were made, thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So today we have my friend, the Reverend Canon Mia McDowell, um, on the podcast with us. Mia is the Canon Catechist at Trinity Cathedral in Columbia, South Carolina. Mia, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yes, I've asked, I'm excited about this, and I know you love the Psalms, but before we get into that, I wondered if you could explain what your title is for those that don't know what a canon catechist is. Um, so share, please. I am happy to do that. I get asked that a lot at Trinity. Um, a catechist, uh, one of the ways that our dean has explained it is a catechist is one who teaches the faith of the church. A catechumen is one who is learning the faith, in particular being prepared for baptism, for confirmation. And the catechumenate is the process by which one is trained or taught the faith in preparation for baptism. Mm -hmm. And because the word has a heavy emphasis on teaching and formation, is why I asked uh, Dean Dane Boston if we could change that title from canon theologian, which sounds so big and so kind of over everybody's head, in my right. opinion, to one of a catechist, which is an older term that we no longer use as much because we don't truly have a catechumenate process anymore. The catechumenate process to prepare those for baptism began around October um, and would last until Easter Vigil. So it was truly a birthing process. And if you look as a catechist, as one who was helping to birth a new Christian who, who will have that rite of baptism at Easter Vigil, um, you kind of get an idea about what I do. And what I do is help shape the Christian formation program, classes, events at Trinity Cathedral, which coming out of COVID um, has been a little challenging I'm just sure. because we need to try to gather again and discover what types of formation classes are needed now. Um, and it's not just what, well, we want to take a class on this. We want to take a class on that. So it's a balance of what the faithful are asking for and what I know as a clergy of the church 
we need to all be learning. So it's this beautiful dance between what they want, what the church says we need, and what's possible. So it's an intriguing position to be in right now. But um, I don't have the knowledge from Trinity of what they did before COVID, which in a way I don't really care because this is a new thing. It's a new day. And I see it as an opportunity to create something new, even if we use what you did before. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's like a chemistry project almost. Um, I love it. And, and I, I enjoy that. I enjoy being creative, finding out what's possible. Um, this summer we're, we're going to have a, what I call a podcast class where have people listen to a podcast and then gather really informally over the summer and then talk about it and what you thought. And I'll have some questions that they all will ask of each other or themselves and discuss. So some light summer formation. Um, many people go away mm-hmm. at Trinity. They have mountain houses and lake houses. And it's a time for vacation and rest. But there's also a little group of folk who want something light to do over the summer. So I'm working on that right now. Oh, I love it. Well, yeah. Mia, I think that's perfect for you. You're such a teacher mm-hmm. and um, you've taught me a lot and we've had some wonderful conversations <laughs> and I think that's great. And I love that word catechesis because I don't think we, mm-hmm. we use that term, like you said, as much as we should. And it's really a wonderful term of helping mm-hmm. people live into their baptism and what that means and what the baptismal covenant means. You know, I love, mm-hmm. I, I, I move back to the baptismal covenant. I feel like every day, but particularly right. one line of respect, the dignity of every people, every person, you know, and, yes. and how are we doing that? So um isn't Trinity Cathedral lucky to have you and blessed to have you in that. And I'm so excited for you and your work there and your, and your ministry. Now, Thank you. you told me that you love the Psalms and you love talking about the Psalms and they're some of your favorites, right? Why, yes. Tell me why you love the Psalms. I, I, I used to think I love the Psalms because they sound like poetry. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but as I've, I've gotten older and grown in my faith, the Psalms are raw emotion. I am not a deep thinker. A lot of people I don't think I'm telling the truth about it, but I really don't. I'm not, I don't consider myself a great mind, but I do consider myself a deep feeler. Mm. I feel things deeply, very strongly. And it's not often that a psalm will pop into my head when I have a strong emotion of joy or, or um, sadness or just frustration. Because you know, in the psalms, it's almost like the psalmist says, I'm going to shake my fist at you, God. Um, the, the, the most visceral ones are like, God smite them who smoked me or right. get them back. <laughs> they're, they're bothering me, Lord, and I don't like it. But this beautiful pattern of a doxology of, oh, Lord, you, you're wonderful. Let me tell you how messed up it is right now in my world. And it's almost like they're just processing their emotions with God. And then they go, oh, wait, wait a minute, Lord, I forgot. You're a God of comfort. You're a God of wonder. You're a God who provides for all our needs. And then it's, it's, it's like real life. When we cry out, we lament. And there are certain Psalms that are Psalms of lament. Like, this is hard. This is horrible. What kind of God are you 
to let us suffer like this. You're supposed to be your chosen people. And here we are suffering. And oh, yeah, we remember how you brought us out of Egypt. We remember that you're everlasting. They come back to themselves and remind themselves in the psalm who God is and how he has walked with them through the hard times. And in the case of the Hebrews, the Israelites, they have this immediate history that is retold and retold about their God bringing them out of Egypt, bringing them through the wilderness. And they forget all the time how God has done that. And it's funny to see them go back to, oh, yeah, God did this big thing for us years ago. We forget the faithfulness of God, and we need to be reminded of it. But um, they're raw. They're raw. The emotions can be raw in the Psalms. And they can, they're real. They're authentic. And because I'm a musician, when I became Episcopalian and began to hear sung, chanted psalms, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. Because right. there's so much you can do. You can recite a psalm, you know, and I, I sometimes I hate the people say, we're going to say psalms are recited, right? right? They're recited. And, and I, I resist this tendency to go, no, they're recited. But right. that's fussy. So I try not to do that. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's overly fuzzy. You know, I, I want to say, like, it's Alan could not join us today because he had a hospital visit. And as much as I love Alan, I'm kind of glad he's not here because I am the same <laughs> way that you are. I, we, and we have connected on this before. Like, I don't think uh, of myself like as a great thinker. I am such a feeler. And, mm-hmm. We've been talking about the Psalms the entire, like since January, because there's just so much of it. And every time I go back to this feeling of emotions, these feelings of God being present with me, whether Mm -hmm. it's angry or sorrow and not just me, but like in our real lives. So exactly what you're saying, like, I'm so in tune with you on that. And I, I know that you love liturgy like I do. And I can imagine being at the cathedral. And we, we had a conversation oh. with Jimmy a couple <laughs> of weeks ago about this same thing that, you know, mm-hmm. cathedrals are different than parishes. And this is your first time yes. serving in a cathedral. And a lot of what mm-hmm. you do at the cathedral is this amazing liturgy, right? And it might be for people that you don't even know. Like they're just walking in yes. one, one day, but you all are constantly singing the uh, the psalms um be you know every day in a different mm-hmm. way than what we do in a parish we don't do it every day in a parish but you do right. that right and i'm sure that's been amazing well you're right mary bell for the thing that um about trinity is that not only do we sing the psalms or sung either by a chorally by the choir in the summer, we will sing simplified chant mm-hmm. at the non at the tent with the one service because it's more of a family service. It's not the high kind of choral right. Eucharist. But every Sunday from September to May, there is choral evensong. Love um, that. Just whatever fourth Sunday of Easter at the eleven o'clock, which is a high choral, you know, Eucharist, gorgeous music. The choir sang this very simple unaccompanied Psalm 23. Mm. And it was, it was just plain, but I'm, I'm going to tell you, Mary Balfour, 
That thing hit me. I'm sitting there in the chair going, oh, my God, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. Okay. And it, it it just washed over me. I began oh, to cry. Okay. You know, the, the dean is very, he's he's very, he can, he's not very proud, but I can kind of see him pat his eye. And it was so simple. So there are elaborately sung psalms that our choir does beautifully, you know, with a canter and it's very florid and my musician friends will know when I say melismatic if it's a yeah. plain song chant. I mean, in, in so many ways you can chant a psalm. You can kind of create, again, like a chemistry lab. You yeah. can create this, what mood do, or what mood, what is the psalm telling me to do with it? So if it's Psalm 23, if you really think about it, you don't want to do that. It's more of, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall want nothing. It's very plain. Because you think about sheep trusting in their shepherd. It's not a big, boisterous mood. The psalm often will tell you how to chant it. And if you're very, I'm not as good at it as I used to be. But if you live in a monastery where they chant the Psalms daily, they know what Psalm tones and there are, gosh, eight and then variations of endings of each of the Psalm tones. They know what Psalm tone goes with what Psalm. Right. And it is beautiful. I would love to just learn how to do that one day because learning the Psalm tones and knowing them by heart, that's that's just nirvana for me. But yeah. I, I'm not there yet. <laughs> well, you know what I think is so cool about the Psalms and worship, too? And you just reminded me of it when you said you got emotional with that very simple thing. So often mm-hmm. during the services, we as the clergy, like, don't get to really worship because we're putting mm-hmm. on the show, right? We're making sure that yes. everybody is being fed. And the thing about the Psalms every week, and it sounds like you just had that, it's it's like the part we're not in charge of and the choir's in charge of. And it's like the moment I feel really spiritually nourished and and really feel God present to me. And it sounds like you've had that same experience. Oh, yeah. A lot. Even um, on Easter Day, we had this choral Eucharist and it was Psalm 114 appointed for the evening prayer. And uh, there is a a particular tone in the church called Tone Peregrinus. And I'm trying to remember it. I can't. But that Psalm 114, that tone goes particularly well with that. It was so in a in a a a forceful way. That psalm was powerful. Right. Like God has acted. It, It was amazing what the choir and then, of course, the organist. You just have this music on a page. It has nothing there to tell you anything about it except the notes. But then in the hands of William Douglas or Dr. Johnson, they know where to pull in different stops on the organ, where the choir needs to shape and color that. We call it coloring, tone painting, if you want to, text painting. They know where to do it. And and it's a totally different experience than this plain Psalm 23. Yeah. All right. I want to make sure we have time because you, you told me about this. Um, yes. You told me that one of your favorite Psalms was Psalm 121. Tell me why yes. that's one of your favorite Psalms. It's one of mine too. So I can only imagine what you're going to tell me. It, it is one of my favorite Psalms. And you know, the Psalm 121, when you get into the, the 100s of the Psalms, those are Psalms of Ascent, I believe. 
And as the people were making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem, of course, they would sing psalms. And it's kind of like if you go on a pilgrimage or you're making some spiritual journey, there's usually music to accompany that. And and I don't know the, the, the deep meanings why, but music helps you walk. It helps you move through life. And so one Psalm 121, I lift my eyes into the hills from where is my help to come? Um, for me, that Psalm says, my help comes from the Lord. When I hear that Psalm, no matter what I'm going through or where I feel stuck, oftentimes we feel we don't know where to go. We don't know what God wants us to do. We're confused sometimes about where our help comes from, Psalm 121 reminds me again where my true help comes from. Yeah. It doesn't come from people all the time. It it doesn't even come from me. But the true help, the source of all help and strength is, is God. It comes from the Lord. You know, it's interesting, that first line, it's asked mm-hmm. as a question. I lift up yes. my eyes to the hill. It is a song of ascent. You were right. I lift up my mm-hmm. eyes to the hills from where will my help come? Question mark. Yes. And then mm-hmm. the next line, of course we know the answer, but my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Right. Yes. So it's yes. almost to me with that question mark. And I'd love to know what you think. It's like, it's okay to not know the answer for a minute, but then like right, right now it, we're going to get, we're going to be reminded. Is that kind of yes. what you think? Yes, it, it truly is because, and you know, this psalm is used in noonday prayer, right? Right, and and I often wonder. I say, you know, why is this psalm used in noonday prayer? It's because by the time that the, the the sun hits hits noon, you know, people who work in agrarian culture, they've been working all day. They're tired. Lord, how am I going to make it through the rest of the day through the rest of these chores? And they have this acknowledgement that I need to acknowledge. That first of all, I'm tired. I don't know where I'm going, how I'm going to make it. Where's my help going to come from? Am I going to even receive help? And it's just that question. We, we internally ask that question. What, what am I going to do? Where am I going to get the help? Where am I going to get the strength? And then we answer our own question just as the psalmist does. But I yeah. do believe that. Yeah. yeah. And it, that's interesting. You said that about noonday prayer, because verse five is the Lord is your keeper. Mm-hmm. The Lord is your shade at your right, shade hand. At your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. So it's like, it's given you, you got this, mm-hmm. even though it's the middle mm-hmm. of the day and we know the sun might be hard, but you are mm-hmm. okay. You know, mm-hmm. I love that you mm-hmm. said that. And before that, mm-hmm. it talks about Israel, Israel will neither sleep, slumber nor sleep. Um, yes. It's just these wonderful words of reassurance, you know. Yes. And, and it's reminding reminding us that we can trust God. He has not. He did not keep. He kept Israel. He will keep us. Um, the Lord shall watch over your going out and your coming in from this time forth forevermore, like forever. Like there's nothing that we do, whether we uh, move or act during the day. There's nothing that we are doing where God is not watching over us and is acutely aware of who we are and where we are and what we're doing. Yeah. That for me says God is always in my life, always moving, always acting, always protecting, but not just me, Mary Balfour. Right. Everyone who is calling upon him, 
receives the same benefits of his grace and help and protection. You're so right. Let me ask you one thing that could be confusing about this, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. So the verse seven is the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. So when you read that, you think, Mm -hmm. okay, well, that can't be right because there is evil in the world. There is bad things Mm -hmm. that happen to us. How does Mm -hmm. the Lord keep us from all evil? And yes, there is this line of reassurance right behind it that you just said, the Lord will keep you going out and you're coming in from this time on and forevermore. But, you know, sometimes that we we aren't we don't feel protected from evil. Right. right. Um, especially when look you at the, the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. Look at the world. America's ill, you know, is in yes. really deep trouble. And so I do think this psalm is a psalm of comfort, but it does feel a little confusing. Don't you think? I'd, I'm glad you answered that question, because recently um, our dean did a, a dean's forum on the Lord's Prayer. And one of the questions one of parishioners asked me, she says, um, the line that says, and lead us not into temptation, right? Deliver us from evil. And she said, I always have trouble with that because God, I mean, God doesn't tempt us, does he? And God doesn't lead us into evil. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I remember this distinctly because I'm not always a great on the fly answer yeah. person. <laughs> me and I said, I said, you know what? The way I read that or hear that is, the Lord knows that we're tempted by to 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 go into evil, to do bad things. I think God is with us in that temptation and is our strength and is a reminder, can be a reminder to not do maybe what we're tempted to do. Yeah. Um it's all it's almost like God says, I, I know you want to do this. Remember I made you. I know who you are. I know this is tempting, but I want you to think about the consequences of what you are tempted to do. And when it says the Lord will preserve you from all evil, I'm wondering, and I don't know of the hundred percent answer. So this is my best guess is I think God preserves us from the effects of evil that can have upon us. I wonder if it, if we focus too much on the bad things of the world, of the evil that is out there, that can lead us very quickly to despondency. Yeah. We can lose hope when we look at the world and we see what's really happening. And we can say, God, are you even there? We go right back to the Psalms. Are you even present in the world? Look at the, look at the world. It's, it's crumbling all around us. Do you care? Uh, or what do you, are you going to do anything about it? And, I wonder if that preserves from all evil is preserves from being trapped and so enraptured that we become despondent or that we are so enticed and overcome by it that we feel like we cannot get out of it in our own temptation. Yeah. Does that make sense? At it all? does. And I really appreciate that twofold because we're both half mm-hmm. glass full people and we, we need mm-hmm. to remember the blessings and you and I are both like that. The other thing is, I know I'm in a little bit different situation than you are um, being in a smaller parish. So I pretty mm-hmm. much preach every week. And yeah. sometimes I feel like I'm like preaching the same sermon. Like, I know there's evil out there. <laughs> I know we want to say bad things to people. 
but we need to come mm-hmm. in kindness and love and that God is love. Like it's the same sermon every week, just in different words, you know? And I think, did right. they get tired of hearing that from me? But then I think about <laughs> the, when I mean, they probably do, but I, th- mm-hmm. I think about the liturgy and, and this, and knowing there's always going to be a Psalm, knowing there's always going to mm-hmm. be scripture you know, the sermon mm-hmm. is whatever. It's just part of it. The Eucharist is always mm-hmm. there. And there's a reason that we need this every week, right? To mm-hmm. help mm-hmm. us from those temptations, not just the people in the crowd, you and I, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody that walks the earth. And sometimes when I think about all this evil, not that the church is the end all be all, but I do think, have they been in church? Have they felt loved by God? Mm-hmm. Have they, do they know God? Because if right. they do, would they make these terrible mistakes that they're making? You know, sh- I'm thinking about shootings and racism and, you know, mm-hmm. all those things. Mm-hmm. And not mm-hmm. saying that people in church are perfect by any means. But I think right. that repetitiveness and that doing it every week helps us remember how loved we are by God. Well, and you're to exactly stay right, away man. from the evil. You know? Yes, you're exactly right, Maybell, for... Um there's a book, and for the life, I can't remember the, the, the author of it. It's a friend of mine. It's bad, but called Inwardly Digest. Oh, and yeah. the beginning of that, and in the beginning of that book, it kind of sets up why does the prayer book repeat? You know, why do we have a lectionary cycle that we, as Episcopalians, for the most part, we just can't go messing with that, right? Yeah. Well, I don't, don't want to do this on this Sunday. We have it on a cycle so that we hear it as human beings, as creatures of habit. Things become ingrained in us so that we can, there are people who can recite morning prayer by heart. Right. There are people who know Psalms by heart because it has become such a part of them. They have ingested them inwardly so that when they need to regurgitate that, when they need to bring that up in a situation, they know, oh gosh, my help, where I look into the hills, where's my help to come? Right. It comes out of them because it's in them. And in order for things to be a part of you, you have to ingest them. You have to repeat them. And intentionally, I think the prayer book and the Psalms and the lectionary cycle using the same words, even if you're created, there are words within the liturgy that are the same, right? Yeah. You get that every Sunday. You get that every year. It just becomes a part of you, and it forms and shapes you. Are you so talking about the book from Derek Olson? That's his name, Derek. Okay, Olson, I'm gonna yes. I'm gonna link it in the in the show notes. So okay. it's a great book. Inwardly digest the prayer book is a guide to a spiritual life, and it's exactly yes. what Mia is talking about mm-hmm. in here. And so, yeah, because that evil is all around us, and the Psalms give us is one of the mm-hmm. one of the spiritual tools that give us yes. that remembrance of that we are so loved and God is with us. I mean, the line, mm-hmm. the, the line in uh, the last line of um, Psalm 121 or verse eight mm-hmm. is the Lord will keep you. You're going out and you're coming in from this time on and forevermore. Mia, if we could just remember that line of all yes. of scripture, that line, right. you know, mm-hmm. that we are safe in the Lord. Yes. I think the world could be a different place. What do you think? It would be a vastly different place. And it would be a different place beginning with Christians who intentionally ingest scripture and or even liturgy. Even if they, um, I think our former Bishop Waldo suggested this one time, a sermon that he preached. 
you know, the Psalms, and I, I know Jimmy mentioned this on his podcast too. The Psalms can be there. The lectionary, the daily office lectionary gives you portions of Psalms or whole Psalms for every day. But in a very earthy, the way the prayer book was meant to be used way is if you go through the prayer book and you go morning prayer, mm-hmm. day 15, you go to Psalm what, whatever day it is. Today's the what? The, the, the 15th. What's the day? The 15th. The 15th. If you go to day 15 morning prayer and you pray that Psalm or Psalms, if they're short, you may have two for the day. There's morning and evening prayer. It's a 30 day Psalm cycle, which we use at the cathedral. I love right. it. Mm-hmm. You could take that on your own. If you want a, a easy dive into scripture is take the Psalms with a prayer book and pray them wherever you are, whatever day you begin on morning or evening and pray through the whole Psalter every day. And you just keep doing it. That's what monks do. That's why they know the Psalms so well. I think that's why they're con- more contemplative. That's why you, when you encounter a, m- a monk or a nun, they just have this sense of knowing God that comes from their recitation of the Psalms and the daily office and their work. And, uh, and if they're Benedictine, uh, religious monk or nun, they have this pattern of work and prayer or at labor. They work and they pray. They work and they pray. And I, I, I'm envious of them. I would love to have that rhythm of life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it behooves me to create it. Um, yeah. It's something for us all to work done. on. But I love your right. suggestion. I love your suggestion. The Psalms are mm-hmm. deep and they have every emotion. But one of the best mm-hmm. emotions that can come from it is that how loved we are. Um, and yes. I think we need to remember that. So our time is done. Mother Mia, wow. thank you so much for joining us. It's oh, my pleasure to be in the room with you whenever I can. And listeners, you, remember that we love you, but most importantly, God does. Amen. Amen.